0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Top Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins. And we are very excited to have you guys here. We have a lot of exciting things to talk about this week. It was an international break for most domestic leagues, at least, you know, the top-tier domestic leagues, pretty much everywhere in the world, with the MLS season coming to an end, as well as all of the European top flight pausing for some... World Cup qualifying, international friendlies, and the UEFA Nations League. So yep. we had some really international, uh, really interesting international football, which kind of overtakes our normal MLS and domestic league talk. And then we had a lot of exciting NFL storylines today. We're yeah. also going to touch on some of the other things going on in the NBA, NHL.
1: Major League Baseball. Major League
0: Baseball. Well, world some, of sports. Some other, yeah, random miscellaneous stories. But we're going to kick things off with this international break this past weekend. We saw some interesting things in the UEFA Nations League. Germany had a big 3-1 win over Ukraine where Timo Werner netted himself a brace, which, you know, that whole Chelsea team, and I think we're even seeing it throughout most of, most of the international games, is really just in impeccable form right now.
1: Yes, the top players are playing at their top level. Uh, which I mean, Chelsea needs right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know I was discussing with a buddy of mine and a friend of the show's Tom the other day, who's a big Manchester United fan, really really big nut on the Premier League and very intelligent with his you know analysis. And he says right now, I mean, Tottenham, Chelsea have as good a chance as anybody to finish at top of the table, considering the injuries that Liverpool has and. Just the inconsistent play that has plagued City of late, and I mean, obviously we got a long ways to go, and I do imagine that Liverpool is going to address some of those holes in the back line come the transfer window, but they've just been absolutely decimated by injury. Very much so. We also saw France net a uh, net a solid one 0 victory again there. Ngolo Kanté getting the only goal. Yep. Yeah, so again, third minute goal. Yeah. So again, we're seeing Chelsea. Uh, we're seeing Chelsea get you know players showing up on the international stage. We also saw a, a major injury for uh, is it Rodrigo Palacios? Uh, is that his first name. Uh, I could be wrong. It there. begins with an E. I don't. Uh, it, it, Edouard, it might be Eduardo. Might be. But uh, for Argentina, mm-hmm. leaving with a fractured spine. He's going to be out several months, maybe miss a good portion or the rest of possibly even this Bundesliga season. You never like to see injuries. Obviously, we saw Joe Gomez get hurt at the beginning of this international break in a friendly for England. He's going to miss the rest of the Premier League season. Mm -hmm. You never like seeing these important players, important to their sides, go down for in, during international break games. I mean, I, I don't want to discredit the value Look, of these international cause this, what, games. because wasn't again, a friendly. This, this wasn't a friendly. This was World Cup qualifying. But Joe Gomez, when Liverpool's entire defense is decimated with the injuries to Fabinho, the injuries to Virgil van Dyke, I mean, their back line is decimated. Mm-hmm. And you have Joe Gomez going down for the season in an international friendly. I mean... If I'm Liverpool, I'm livid. If I'm Jurgen Klopp, I'm livid. Yes. And so, you're right. This game, Argentina-Paraguay, was in World Cup qualifying. It did have some, you know, there was a stake to the
1: game. Argentina's trying to climb out of a little bit of a hole. They're in fourth place right now. Exactly.
0: And a 1-1 draw to a Paraguay team that they really should be beating is not going to help them. But really... Really, that was rough. Uh, elsewhere in the South American World Cu- Cup qualifying, Brazil got a 1-0 victory over Venezuela. Yep. Our boy Bobby Formino. Bobby Formino. Bobby Formino getting the 1-0, getting the only goal in that 1-0 thriller there.
1: We saw, we saw some action in the Uruguay and Colombia game. Uruguay stars who you know well I was going to say, a little bit one-sided action there. Yeah, well, you know, it's Cavani, it's Suarez getting it done for their side. Scoring some goals, taking the 3-0 victory against Colombia. So those were, you know, big storylines out of that World Cup qualifying. And
0: then we do also have the African Cup of Nations qualifying going on, but right now it's pretty early on, and there's a, just a big cluster of games going on. It's, there's,
1: there's a lot of teams, it's a lot of players most people aren't going to recognize because it's not broadcasted here. We don't get the same T V broadcast.
0: Exactly. I mean I used to I used to tune in to the African Cup of Nations back when Didier Drogba was playing there just because I was such a nut on Drogba and he was really you know, I would be finding these streams that were just wreaking havoc on my computer. Oh yeah. But
1: you can smell the fan melting. Just exactly. trying to get stay connected to this website. Exactly,
0: but it was a lot of fun, and so that's a great tournament to watch. Obviously, big nut big big soccer nuts, soccer heads, will keep an eye on that, and as the tournament progresses, we will as well. But Absolutely. at this stage, it's it's just really, it's just a a cluster.
1: Yeah, and honestly, we would almost not be doing it justice with. I don't even know how to pronounce some of the countries that are in the contest, let alone player names, and I, I have so little familiarity, but it is an, it's a, I mean, it's a thrilling contest. It's the highest cup in Africa. Generations upon generations of talented players. It'll be It'll be fun to watch, we're going to be keeping an eye on it. Something else we're keeping an eye on, though, is the U.S. men's national team. We got to see two friendlies this past week, a rather uneventful one or zero zero draw against Wales, uh, where we really showed some inexperience and in our youthful roster. But today we got to see a pretty good game.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a bit of a drubbing. It really. The, you know, the, the, I wouldn't the, say
1: it was a drubbing. I'd say the scoreline's well, a little score bit misleading. The
0: scoreline got a little bit misleading because you're right. The the U.S. men we looked dominant for the second half of the well, the second half of the first half. We looked, we looked dominant for the.
1: I would say the first I'd half, half from, we looked
0: pretty much. I'd say from like 15th minute on to the, till halftime we were. Uh, clearly and obviously, the better team, and the we were dictating the pace of the game with our possession, our passing, and our our
1: well, goal scoring.
0: Uh, yeah. Then the second half started, and it seemed as though the momentum shifted. Suddenly, Panama was controlling the passage of play. They got a goal back. They made it. We were up three to one. They made it three to two then we we were able to recreate you know, get that breathing room, make it four to two, and then it just seemed like the floodgates opened at that point, mm-hmm. scoring a couple of late goals. I think it was what eighty third eighty seventh ninety third was our last three goals of the game mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, it got a little bit got a little bit uh close for comfort there, you know in that really heart of the second half, but We were able to tidy it up there at the end. Really inspiring, though. I mean, the young talent looked like they were meshing well. I mean, a lot of these guys, this is one of the first few times that they've ever really played together. They're really getting to know each other. And yet we're seeing a level of competence and skill and finesse that we really haven't seen maybe ever out of a United States men's senior side. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. You know, would have liked to have seen a better result from the Wales game. Would love, obviously, if Christian Pulisic could be healthy and to see what this team would look like at full strength, so to speak. And and Josie Altidore, because right now he is their best, you know, he's their best striker. You know, so... It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Another big, big piece of news.
1: This is a a massive storyline. Is
0: two, well, really one celebrity that is extremely close to heart, but two celebrities we're a big fan of. Ryan Reynolds and Philly's own Rob McElhenney just completed their acquisition of Wrexham AFC. Wrexham Football Club from Wales. Yes. It's a Welsh football team.
1: Well and uh we asked Rob how did how did this happen and Well first of all, through God all things are possible, so jot that down. Which uh, that makes no, sense I, I to me. We didn't actually get to ask Rob that. I wish we did. That no, would be lovely. But this this is a fun story. This is a fifth division English side uh
0: yeah, I mean, I you know Wales has a few teams represented throughout the English ranks. The most notable of late as to uh, find success has been Swansea, mm-hmm. but it could be really exciting. I mean, they they you know it's it's a side that has had some prominence, you know, of late. I mean, they are the uh, you know FIFA legend Ian Rush played for the side in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, they're an extremely old club. They were founded in 1864.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Third oldest in the world. Third oldest club in the world. Wow. I didn't know that.
1: Impressive, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And so it's a team with a rich history. And it's surprising a little bit that they are were willing to hand the reins over to two American, really Hollywood personalities. But... It seems like they're really excited about it on both sides. It seems like Ryan Reynolds and Rob are really excited. They've already post been posting videos. I mean, if you look at Rob McElhenney's social media over the last six months, it's been, you know, peppered with little hints and references to Rexham, and you know, the first official action that the two of them took now that they've been. Elected, I believe it was like in a membership election that had to take place. Mm-hmm. There's some as there's As the partners. They were already endorsing key aspects of the club, the the stadium, the mascot, and, well, you know, yeah, they play at Racecourse. The mascot is a dragon named Rex, and they are sponsored by Ilfork Williams, a trailer company. Yes. And they give a lot of shout-outs to their main sponsor, so... It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. This is going to be a really fun storyline. We love Rob. Big Always Sunny fans here. Obviously, we're based here in Philadelphia, but in general, it's a really fun show. And we're. Be- oh, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan. I-, I love the Deadpool franchise. Loved him, you know, voicing Detective Pikachu. Uh, he's been in a lot of great movies. He's,
1: I mean, how many times have you seen Waiting? Exactly. I mean,
0: he's he's everywhere. He's everywhere. So that's just something to keep an eye on. We might be, you know, maybe with his influx of cash, influx of popularity, it's a possibility we see Rex and FC maybe climbing the ranks. We, we might see them starting to poke their nose around in the, uh, in the higher English divisions.
1: Yeah. They could be promoted into the League Two, which means we might even get to see them in FIFA. Exactly. So But they're in fourteenth place right now, so let's not, so, yeah, let's we'll, not tamp, we'll tamper our expectations this year, but in the future it's it's gonna be exciting.
0: So moving back stateside, back to some of our domestic sports here, the NBA has made some really big steps of late as they're really starting to ramp up all of a sudden for another season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like Yesterday, that we were crowning LeBron James and the Lakers NBA champions after a long bubble experiment, a successful experiment, might I add. but And now we're suddenly about six weeks away, believe it or not.
1: We got the draft in from two NBA days? NBA
0: tip-off. Yeah, we got the draft in two days. You know, might have another, hopefully we don't see that awful whatever his name is, Ball, the Lonzo and LaMelo's dad. Yeah. Big Baller brand. Uh, he was the worst. But, you know, another Ball possibly coming into the NBA, a couple of really talented players. But this week, we, we've already touched on a lot of that. This week, there were a couple of interesting storylines coming out, though. We see, really, the biggest news of today was breaking news. Adrian Wojnarowski broke that Chris Paul, Obviously, major face in the NBA, head of the players, president of the players' association, Mm -hmm. whatever umpteenth All Star, like twelve-time NBA All Star or something stupid.
1: You see him. Uh, You see him during every NBA game because he's part of the State Farm commercials. The State Farm commercials. He is getting traded once again.
0: I mean, second time in in the last two years. Really, don't want to buy a Chris Paul jersey. Yeah, or you do though. I mean, some of these are pretty sweet. Yeah. Getting traded to the Phoenix Suns uh, with Abel Nadir for Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeQue and a twenty twenty second first round pick. I'm not sure if there are any protections on that pick or not.
1: I didn't see any details about a protection on the pick, but. You- you never know with the NBA. Exactly. There's they can announce so it like 20 seconds before exactly.
0: the draft. So um, that's really the biggest news we, we were going to talk about. We'll talk in a second about the Heart of the City jerseys that came out. But Chris Paul, really one of the titans of the NBA. I mean, I'm almost remiss. I, I should be saying future NBA Hall of Famer Chris Paul. Most likely. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, I know he doesn't have any rings yet, but. He, his numbers speak for himself. I mean, he's c- going to be widely considered one of the greatest
1: point guards ever. Uh, probably the best at, with the assist, right? I mean, yeah,
0: and, and I mean, really, he was a big pioneer of the three-point you know, game and, and that accessibility prior to Steph Curry coming in and just blowing it up. But, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had to lead off with that. Uh, another just move uh, to, that we had to keep an eye on, Dennis Schroeder got traded to the L.A. Lakers. The Thunder are getting Danny Green and the 28th overall pick. We see Danny Green, guy who's won a couple of rings recently, on the move. Again? Yeah, and pretty surprised to see Schroeder going for just that price. I mean, Danny Green also, I think, returning to the Thunder where he had played before. but. Yeah. That, uh, you know, 20th overall pick for Schroeder, a guy who really kind of, I think, took a big step this past year. Uh, I'm I'm just a little bit surprised to see the Thunder moving him at the start of this rebuild. I would have expected him to maybe be somebody they would have tried to build around a little bit.
1: Yeah, but the Hawks moved on from Schroeder, too. I, I'm not, I mean, I think he's a great player. I kind of wish the Sixers were in on him, but. I don't, I don't know why he hasn't found his, his fit quite yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, for that 28th overall pick, the Sixers have a better pick this year. I, I would have been happy packaging that 22nd overall pick that we're carrying right now and figuring out something to do with it, but that's neither here nor there. These Heart of the City jerseys, I'm a fan. At least, you know, I, I, I most notably saw the Sixers jersey. I really like the Sixers I really like the Sixers jersey. A shout-out to Boathouse Row. Dope. Dope jersey. We both saw – I think we were sitting on the sofa together when we saw that the first time. And I want to get one. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's very – I don't think it's too often that I see alternate jerseys get unleashed, and I immediately go, oh, I want one. But – for that the Sixers, one, with the, this. It yeah, was, it was I pretty much
1: it. immediate. It gives a very, it gives a very, two thousand one Sixers feel, peak Allen Iverson type Sixers feel. It's a very cool jersey. It's a, it's a nice aesthetic. We see a couple other teams getting uh, some classic jersey releases. The Spurs, notably, bringing back the uh, the teal and the orange and the pink on their jerseys, which is just... I think it's one of the nicest jerseys in the NBA. I was disappointed that they moved away from it, but I'm very happy to see it back. We also saw the Suns have a new jersey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that with these Heart of the City jerseys, you need to tap into something that the local people can take pride in. Yeah. And, and, and that can be that, that's got a nice little trend to it. I think that's why the Boathouse Road jerseys are so successful. I think that's why the Miami Vice jerseys, yes, for the heat were so successful. There needs to be some sort of it, it, you know, when you just put slap some funky colors on it or you change the font, I think I, I, I don't know if it's incentive enough for me as a fan first of all, to say, I want to go out and spend money for this. And second of all it almost just feels like you're not tapping into a great opportunity.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, it you, feels
1: a little disconnected.
0: Exactly. Anytime you see these these leagues and you know I'm giving a little teaser. For, you know, we're going to be talking about the NHL came out with their you know throwback retro refit. retro, refit jerseys. You know, anytime you see one of those and they miss the mark, it's like, what were you guys thinking? Like, remember the Eagles had those terrible yellow, yellow and blue jerseys? The, yeah, the, they
1: were the, ter- the things that instantly signaled that people were from Lower Bucks County when they were wearing them. Yeah, yeah no, I know they're 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 so brutally ugly. I remember I, mean, I bought,
0: like, all sorts of them, too. I had, like, every single piece of memorabilia. Well, that's
1: why they do it.
0: Because that was at the height of my memorabilia collecting phase. And yeah. And yet, like, I still think they missed the mark with it. And it would be so great if they could hit the mark. Like, you know, like I said, that Miami Vice jersey, I, I'm not, I mean, I, I do like the heat. I kind of stopped liking them when LeBron was there. But I, I loved the heat back when they had Shaq and D-Wade. And, Lots of more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I want one of those Miami Vice jerseys so bad. And I have no reason to rep one, which is the only reason why I haven't spent that I don't think
1: I've ever seen you wear something with short sleeves. Yeah, and like... Wear with no sleeves. And and yet, I want one of those
0: Miami Vice jerseys so bad. And so, I think that there's a place for these kind of fad-like jerseys.
1: Stylized.
0: Yeah, these... But... It makes it almost just a bummer when a team misses the mark, when they have just such a grand opportunity to connect with the fans. Maybe change their brand image a little bit, because it's not very often that these teams get the chance to do that. and and Or when they do it, and it's not in a setting like this, it feels forced, mm-hmm. where this is an opportunity for them to be branching out a little bit on their brand, whether it be taking a step forward like these Heart of the City jerseys or taking a peek back like the Retro Refit jerseys, it's still a chance to...
1: Tap into the fan base.
0: But also to vary away from what has been the norm. And so it's a shame when a team does that and misses the mark, because if they do that and hit, that's the chance for them to tap into a whole other branch. Right. And so... I think some of these are worth keeping an eye on. Like I said, the Sixers one, immediately, I was a big fan of the San Antonio Spurs one. I think it was pretty solid. I liked it. So, it's gonna be these. These are solid. The last thing, in the NBA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the 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 Houston watch. Yes. What's gonna happen with Russell Westbrook and James Harden?
1: It well, it looks like they're out. Yeah. If they have their way, which NBA players typically do, it looks like they're going to be making moves, moving on, and saying sayonara to this Houston squad side that's just falling apart so fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we were kind of having to expect that to happen, though. I mean, they lose their coach, they lose their GM, and I think it was pretty obvious that these players were going to follow suit. I'm, You know who I'm more excited about than either of those two? I want to see the Sixers make a play for Rocco. I want to see them bring Robert Covington back. I think you'd be salvaging way, or, you know, not salvaging, but giving up way too much. Sacrificing was the word I was looking for. For James Harden or Russell Westbrook, Mm -hmm. neither of which do I think would really fit our system well. No. And yet Robert Covington, who I never think we should have given up, I think would be a really, really solid addition to this current team as it stands with Daryl Morey, with Ben Simmons, with Joel Embiid.
1: Is he a Doc Rivers player?
0: I don't think so. He got traded to Minnesota with Dario Saric, First part of the Jimmy Butler deal.
1: Yeah, but it, do you think he fits in with the Doc Rivers type system? Oh yeah, he's a great defender. Yeah, he is a three great three-point
0: shooter. Great three-point shotter, Wow, great three-point shooter. I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't want Roco, especially because it seems like right now they're fire sale. They'll, they'll they'd give you the the washing machines if yeah. you gave them a good enough price.
1: Yeah. I do need a new washing machine.
0: So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the biggest news has been that James Harden has apparently been angling to try and be dealt to the Brooklyn Nets. It looks like he wants to be reunited with Kevin Durant, which would be fun. The two of them
1: plus found Kyrie a lot of Irving. Success.
0: Yeah, they found a lot of success in Oklahoma City back in the day then, yeah, Kyrie Irving, that could be a really dangerous team suddenly. But also, I don't know, it seems like it could be a little bit of a star-thin team, a team that really looked good this year making the playoffs without Durant or Kyrie Irving. You know, it it would be fascinating to see how they would need to adjust that roster to accommodate James Harden and how much star power Durant and Irving may have to try and force their hand to do that because— Right now I, I like if I'm Brooklyn fan, I like the idea of having a playoff quality team and adding Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to it and leaving it at that yeah. I don't know how I feel about then stripping down the pieces that just had success last year to bring in a third all-star It seems like you're trying to take a step back in order to take a step forward you know
1: that's true especially when you have Good perimeter shot guys already on that on that Nets team, guys like Joe Harris, guys yeah. like Tim Like they they've got you've got enough range on the outside. It's not like you need the three point guy. They have enough players by committee that can do it. Plus, you know, obviously Kevin Durant's shooting ability, career ring shooting abilities, not the not being questioned. So, we'll segue into the NHL. We, we had the, we've had we been talking about jerseys. We're going to keep talking about jerseys.
0: Yeah, I mean, the retro refits came out in the NHL. Some winners, some losers. Uh, in my opinion, the biggest winner is the Anaheim Ducks. I loved those jerseys back when they had them. They were the old alternates back with the old Mighty Ducks uniforms. It's like the superhero Duck, Mighty Duck. It's... Awesome artwork! I love the color scheme. I love. I love
1: the patterning, just the way it comes from the the bottom, the hip, left up the, the kind of up
0: the torso. Exactly. I mean, I think it's a great jersey. I love any time that, more so than most teams, I love any time that the Ducks tap into their retro things because it kind of brings back their founding, which was based in the Disney movie, The Mighty Ducks. So. A little bit of a fun kind of childhood reminiscing there. So I'm a big fan of the Ducks. The Minnesota Wild were big winners out of this, I think. They got to really kind of tap into their North Stars history. Even though you could argue the North Stars history is somewhat tied to the Dallas Stars history, it is also tied to the city of Minnesota or state of Minnesota, and I
1: think the color rather. scheme of the yellow and the green looks so good with the Minnesota Wild's current logo, which is how they how they brought it in. I think it looks fantastic. I'm uh, um,
0: a big fan of the Calgary Flames. I as well. love the, big Calgary fan Flames. Of the Calgary Flames. This, this is, is
1: what jerseys. I mean. This is what you do when you're you're switching things up.
0: Exactly. This is the point I was kind of referencing.
1: Uh, Calgary Flames. You know they implemented design with the um, with the center chest crest being a horse with flames coming out of its nose. It looks badass. And it's, it's a shout-out to Calgary. Calgary Stampede, the CFL team there. It, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's awesome. I love it.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of teams miss the mark. You look at teams like Detroit and Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is bringing back its old retro where it basically just spells Pittsburgh down the entire – diagonally down the torso like it was part of a word search. It's a big word. It's 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 the visual equivalent of a mouthful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's – and it's pretty bland otherwise. It's a pretty bland jersey. Same with when you look at Detroit. I mean it's like a basically an all-white jersey with the Detroit Red Wings logo on it.
1: Yeah. Ooh, silver cuffs on the sleeve. Like, what? Like, that could have been any year's alternate, but you're trying to go for a retro refit. You have cool logos in your past. The the evolution of the Detroit Wings logo is something that, like, people study, and you kind of blatantly ignore all of it and slap silver bands on your arms and you call it a jersey.
0: Yeah, so. This kind of goes to what I was saying. I mean, even a team like the Flyers. I mean, they're branching out a little bit. I think theirs is almost a Flyers. I think was just more of a swing and a miss. Where you look at Detroit and Pittsburgh, and they're striking out looking.
1: Yeah, you uh, know what I mean. The Rangers basically using their practice jersey logo for this. Like why?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that did have a little bit of popularity though in the early two thousands. The Statue of Liberty jersey. Again, you have the the Capitals bringing back the Bird jersey.
1: The Blue Jackets bringing back the CBJ. So,
0: you know, I I understand the calling reference to a previous design or logo that was popular among the fans.
1: Well, I I mean, I think I think the Avalanche did it well, incorporating their color current color scheme while using the old Nordiques logo. I think it looks awesome. Reminds you of. Times of you know great players like Joe Sackick, but also embraces the modern Colorado Avalanche and their color scheme and what their identity is. I think, I think you see that get pulled in well. Uh, an interesting storyline coming out of this one, though, is the Chicago Blackhawks when they unveiled this unveiled the back of the jersey, and this calls into question if they're. Not putting the logo facing forward in the NHL statement, is it time for them to switch up what their logo is?
0: Yeah, I think it might be. I mean, the Blackhawks have tend to have been one of the teams that were always kind of pointed at and considered they were doing it right. But if the thing you were doing right is just generally becoming antiquated, even if you were the good guy of the group, it might be time to retire it. You know.
1: Mhm.
0: I think it's gonna be interesting to see what it looks like. I mean, maybe it is an alternate logo. Maybe it is something different, and, and you know.
1: But oh, have you not seen it? No. Is it? Is it? Is it the normal? Uh, it's. Pr- it's pretty much the normal logo, except it just says. Blackhawks on the top and then Chicago on the bottom and, and a circular crest on it.
0: Got you. Yeah, so, I mean, if that's the way they're feeling about it, it might be time. But I think that the bigger need in these scenarios is to call out the people who are behaving... Ignorantly and or intentionally disrespectfully, like Washington was for many years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where Chicago, I don't think has ever been trying to. I mean, there's not a a slur involved. There's it's just the it's name not, of a not tribe. an egregiously offensive depiction. It's not like the Chief Wahoo, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it's not. It's not a caricature. I understand
0: their continuing to shelve this issue. But I think eventually you're on the wrong side of it and it, it would just be responsible. Like, you know, the running joke we made when Washington changed their team to the Washington football team. I kind of joked and it was like, really? They had how many years that it seemed like the writing was on the wall and they were still unprepared when the time came? I hope at the very least... That people at the Chicago Blackhawks organization are doing their due diligence right now to work toward whatever their marketing plan is to eventually rebrand this team.
1: I mean, you could also just still be the Blackhawks, but just make the the logo a black hawk, literally
0: yeah but then i i would even debate that could be more disrespectful but then we, we get into a, a whole different i mean the reason that they are the black hawks is because the black hawk tribe had a lot to do with the safe founding of like chicago if i'm not mistaken oh
1: yeah, like no, I'm, I'm i'm saying that's oh that's definitely true I'm, and i'm and i i think there could be a way that you could do it where it wouldn't be disrespectful especially if they're you know if they incorporate an actual black hawk that into the region as part of their logo there's there's things that they could do they're an original six team you know this team was founded long before the concept of you know social justice and the language that we use being very particular it is an interesting debate this Jersey Reveal kind of kind of unearthed the potential issue with the name with the fact that they didn't show the crest and instead chose to show the back of the jersey in an I guess an ill-fated attempt to avoid the controversy I don't know but it will be interesting to see moving forward also interesting to see moving forward what's happening with this NHL season Obviously right now, we're mid-pandemic still, we're dealing with rising numbers here in the States, and it's looking like Canada's travel restrictions are not going to ease up anytime soon, and the NHL has several Canadian teams, so obviously this is a concern for their resumption of play, which they were hoping for in January.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a tough one. I feel like of late, especially the NHL and the NHLPA, have not been seeing eye to eye with a lot of things. With Olympic play, with how they handle the All-Star games, with outdoor games, with uh, just an abundance of things.
1: Player safety. And so
0: Yeah, and so I can see them butting heads or coming to an agreement for a mutual restart. Gary Bettman, though, I would argue, is maybe the best of all of the sports commissioners than uh, maybe Adam Silver, and so I have faith that he's going to have them playing at a reasonable time, especially if all of the other leagues are still relatively on schedule.
1: Yep, they'll figure something out. Something has to happen. There's not going to be a year without hockey. But we can get into some oddball stuff, because this stuff's a little bit more fun for us to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say fun to talk about, but we had a really, really interesting story over the week. Uh, I think I saw this on Friday and just turned to you and went, oh boy, we got a good one. NASCAR suspends driver Josh Romey. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Damn, that's
1: a French-ass name.
0: Indefinitely, after he sent out a Snapchat, he posted on his Snapchat story a photo of his toaster strudel that morning for breakfast with what appeared to be a swastika drawn with the vanilla icing. Yes. Now... We both kind of had a similar statement where I mean, his argument was, oh, I didn't even realize it was a swastika. We're like,
1: eh.
0: we feel like we need to see this toaster strudel to buy that story. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. It's a pretty notable symbol. I, I can't imagine the level of ignorance required to be an adult in the U.S. and not know what that symbol is or not know to avoid that symbol if you're gonna be posting things on your social media account and you're a person of any form of influence or just in general.
1: Now here's the thing though, he his Snapchat account is private. So it was somebody that he knows, it's somebody within his close circle that did then, you know, took this picture and sent it to NASCAR.
0: I and, I think it was initially tweeted first, but
1: yeah. It was, no, it was sent out on Snapchat because he doesn't actually even have a Twitter.
0: No, no, no. I'm saying I think somebody screen-snapped it on Snapchat and then tweeted it out. Mm-hmm. And then he got reported.
1: But we haven't seen the photo that he actually took. Correct. There, there have been stories published with a toaster strudel with a very clearly drawn just a swastika on it. And that that is not the photo... Yeah, apparently
0: it has been proven that the photo that has been attached to many of these articles is a photo that was time dated well before this scandal broke. Right. So. So. It, we it's, have we don't, yet to confirm. Yeah, we don't know what it looks like. The validity of it, but if it is anything like the stock photo, then I think this suspension is totally warranted. And if I mean. Again, it seems like it's it's a pretty dramatic step to suspend him indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine I would imagine strongly that NASCAR is not doing that for nothing.
1: True, but with all the bubble wall stuff that has happened, I think they just also want to take a hardline stance no matter what. True. And, and it's far easier to Hand the suspension out early, right when the story breaks, and then possibly revisit it later, lighten it, whatever. If if there's some, you know, subsequent story that oh it you know very clearly wasn't or or something else happens, but the fact that they took aggressive assertive action is good.
0: Yeah. So I mean, if you would ask me though, if a n- toaster strudel related story would be in our podcast this week, I would have been surprised.
1: I don't know. I really like toaster shrewles. They are good. They're really good. Mm. Do you like them with butter?
0: Butter, yes. Swastikas, no. No. (laughs) So that's my... Otherwear in sports or otherwear. (laughs) Jesus. Elsewhere in sports, we had... Bryson DeChambeau have a giant meltdown. There was a little golf tournament this weekend. Yeah, it's the cool. Masters. Yeah, Masters. If anybody's re- realized it, but and, they're going to have to change that name soon yeah, too. Yeah, right. And coming into it, Bryson DeChambeau was the favorite, odds-on favorite, having just been on fire this year. Had transformed his body during COVID. He's a little quirky. Uses some different clubs. You know, same length clubs. Uh, use the longest driver allowed, I believe. This tournament. I mean, he's just a little well, it bit. Well, works a, for
1: him because he knocks at 350 yards. Yeah,
0: quirky guy. Well, but knocking it where he lost all sorts of balls this week, and he was really just a handful for the officials. I mean, he was about as entertaining as the tournament. Uh, he yeah was leading search parties at various points mm-hmm. to try and find the balls that he lost. Was complaining about having to take various drop penalties. Or, you know, stroke penalties for the lost balls or or hitting things out of bounds. I mean, it was really, it, it was like, you know, crazy antics out of a player who already is known to be a little bit of a circus on the, you know, tour. And it was the opposite of what he would have hoped for for this weekend. Coming in as the favorite and riding the highest point of his career, he... Fizzled out rather quickly. We also, speaking of fizzling out rather quickly, Tiger Woods was actually off to a really good start this weekend, but it really came to a halt in really a matter of minutes. Yeah, in one hole, on the twelfth hole, was that was that Sunday or was that Saturday? I forget which day it was.
1: He was wearing red. So I think it was Sunday. So yeah, normally Sunday. Tiger Woods hits a
0: 12 for like a septuple bogey uh, on a par 4. Sorry, he hits a 10 for a septuple bogey on the par 4 hole 12. And that pretty much knocked him out of the tournament. I mean, at that point, he pretty much had no chance Mm -hmm. because the champion was running away with it, which we'll get to in a moment, but he was... Very competitive in it and was, was really in, in the mix for a good portion of the weekend. You know, looked good for Tiger, especially the way he's played of late, missing the cut several times recently. Really, really a big turnaround for him. But really, the star of this show was Dustin Johnson. Jeez, man. Putting on the most dominant performance, the, the best score in a major tournament of all time. And apparently the best final round score uh, for a – I think it was something along the lines of best final round score for somebody who was leading through three days.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Something like that.
1: So not having three good days of performances and then capping it off with the with best, the best like, performance. It was the
0: be- well, it wasn't the best performance of his four days, but it was the best score for somebody – who is coming off of a three-day lead. Got gotcha. you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was dominant, finished with a minus 20. Incredible. Absolutely absurd. Just a dominant, dominant,
1: dominant, dominant, dominant
0: performance from the world number one. Yeah, it's his and,
1: first Masters. It's his second major win since the 2016 U.S. Open.
0: Yeah, and he got very emotional as he was given the jacket by Tiger just it was a f- lot of fun to watch. You know, Masters was postponed a little bit of different weather because of the
1: time of year, yeah, and,
0: and no, no crowd because of COVID, which made it a little different, but also seemed like it made it a little bit more intimate for the players. Honestly, this is the most attention I think I've paid to the Masters. I mean, last year I was obviously really glued to it because Tiger got the win, but is the most I think I've ever actually watched it start to finish because I was home and not working and covid and all that stuff that you know it was it was entertaining to watch and um he's gonna have the shortest reign ever as defending champion so it's gonna be interesting to see how this falls next year when it's back on its normal schedule yeah
1: we also got to smooch Paul Gretzky, his wife right afterwards so I think he's doing all right he's doing just fine Somebody's not doing just fine, though.
0: Yeah, uh, we're a little bit worried here. I guess thoughts and prayers going out to Jim Beheim, longtime Syracuse men's basketball coach, really a titan of the Big East. Just tested positive for COVID-19. The entire Syracuse men's basketball program has to go on hold as a result and at 76 years old, he would be in one of the way more vulnerable age groups.
1: Yeah, he's in a high-risk category. To
0: be dealing with this disease, uh, with this virus. So we, we wish him the best. Some more bad things on his plate is, you know, he was responsible. I mean, it was in the news. It was actually just about two years ago. I think it was January of 2019. So we're approaching two years ago. He was involved in a fatal car accident where he... Struck and killed a man who was outside of his disabled vehicle on the highway. Beheim approached the vehicle. It was dark. Kind of the vehicle kind of caught him by surprise. He quick swerved out of the way of the vehicle. The man was standing several feet away from his car to the side of it. And Beheim swerved to avoid the vehicle right in line with the pedestrian. Struck and killed the man. Very sad story. Uh, Beheim was deemed to have not been... He was he, Sorry, he was sober, so he was not driving under the influence, mm-hmm. and they said he was not driving recklessly in any capacity. It was just icy, it was snowy, that's what led to this guy's car being disabled in the first place. Just a sad story, but it seems like the family is now, as I imagine you would expect, especially with a high-profile figure like this, seeking monetary damages, taking their taking Jim Beheim to court, seeking, you know, emotional damages, all sorts of things like that. Obviously, now I said he is not facing any... He was cleared criminally of Mm -hmm. any wrongdoing. But there's a chance this could be a prolonged trial as, you know, a lot of times we see these civil suits... Drag out. Drag out. Especially, like I said, with high-profile figures. So... We're hoping for the best for Jim Beheim, his health, and uh, you know we'll just keep an eye on. I mean that lawsuit. It's a sad story uh, for everybody. You know, anytime there's loss of human life in an accident or anything like that, it's it's never good. So unfortunate for all involved. Moving on though from our obscure, I don't want to say obscure sports, but you know, away uh, back into the major leagues here, I'll step into Major League Baseball. We just finished up the season not long ago, remember? Dodgers finally got that World Series monkey off their back. But we got to see the a really interesting MLB awards season unfold these past couple of weeks. With a 60-game season, it was an incredibly small sample size. And so normally by the end of the marathon, that is, the Major League Baseball season...
1: Mike Trout wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mike Trout wins. We have a... A lot of things to look at. I mean, you know, some starters are getting uh, upwards of 20 starts even that they can, ha- you know, demonstrate a large body of work for a starting pitcher, for example.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, hitters, same thing. You know, a guy can go through a 15, 20-game slump at any point in the season that could totally crush his MVP hopes Well. So are some guys who went through 15 20 game slumps in the beginning of a, in the middle of a 60 game season and therefore they were never even in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So it made it a weird season. I if I, I I'm glad I didn't have to pick, but I imagine the Cy Youngs would have been the hardest thing considering you had so many guys with just crazy low ERAs and Good records, but, you know, nobody in the double-digit wins or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. it was just like, how do you choose?
1: Yeah, it's the, the hardest to separate.
0: Exactly. So breaking these down real quick, the MVPs, I mean, these guys had great seasons. I think it's hard to argue with either of them. Jose Abreu won the AL MVP for the Chicago White Sox, 60 RBIs, 19 home runs, batting 317. I mean, a great average. 19 home runs, I mean, that would be good for a full-length season. And that puts him on pace for well over 50. This is a guy who's, I mean, yeah, obviously he, he can hit the long ball, but he's also a, a guy who, you know. Just
1: likes getting on base. Exactly,
0: likes getting on base, smacking in those RBIs. And then you look at Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was had an incredible batting average this year. I mean, when you go down the slat line, 51 runs, a 1.102 OPS, 341 average, 462 on base percentage, 640 slugging.
1: Unbelievable.
0: I mean, he did it all. He hit a stupid amount of doubles. Wasn't it was something like 20 doubles or something he hit this year? I mean— he hit, like, more doubles this year than I think he hit last season in the full season. He he was all over the map. He, he was really the reason why that Atlanta team almost made a push for the World Series. Mm-hmm. And I think it was well-deserved for both guys there. Like I said, the Cy Young is where phew, you could not have paid me to make these decisions.
1: Don't envy that job one bit. No.
0: But a couple of big... Big wins there. I mean, you know, it's still going to count the same for these guys. Shane Bieber in the American League, 1.63 ER, away a 41.1% strikeout percentage.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Crazy. I mean, wow. I, you know, the defense behind him could just phone it in the days he was on the mound, it seems like.
1: Hey, picking daisies out in left field.
0: Yeah. And then Trevor Bauer, 1.73 ERA, and, and it would had an average of, I mean, what equated to a 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings,
1: which is just disgusting. First so. Reds pitcher to win it?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, really, it was, and it's what, Shane Bieber's Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati, Ohio just dominating the, the Cy Young Awards this year. They need something. Yeah, right. Something to hang your hat on there in Ohio. Manager of the year was pretty fun. Uh, Al, Kevin Cash, took home the award.
1: Something crazy saw coming out and in with the award announcement. Kevin Cash put together 59 batting orders in a 60-game season. That's a manager who's really plugged in to what the team's doing. He's figuring out the best roster. Game in, game, each game, figuring out how he's going to get the job done. Very impressive display. And the National League, we see Don Mattingly. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was no other option there. Oh Yeah, there was no contest.
0: Uh, what he did with that Marlins team was incredible. Yes. And I think... I think all twenty-nine of the other MLB managers would agree that he deserves that handily. A couple of other things that are worth of note.
1: Well, oh, just one more thing about the Don Mattingly winning that oh, yeah. award. That's true. Fifth all time to win both an MVP and a Manager of the Year award. Wow, well, I didn't know that.
0: That's pretty. That's pretty interesting.
1: It's pretty special. It's uh, you know. Hey, to be able to
0: get it done on both sides of the game, you know, yeah, on the field and behind the
1: dugout or in the dugout, it's a real, it's a real stalwart of the game.
0: Speaking of the Marlins, you know they made some MLB history as well this week, becoming the first team in Major League Baseball history to hire a female GM. Mm -hmm. I believe they're actually the first team in. North American or, sports. I,
1: I, that's definitely that's definitely possibly true. I don't know because we have so many
0: leagues. Yeah, I I could be wrong on that as well, but huge deal. Kim In she served as the assistant GM to the for the Yankees and the Dodgers.
1: Was VP of baseball operations with Major League Baseball. Definitely put the work in early. And Derek Jeter is really making progressive moves with this Marlins team, a Marlins team that found success winning the National League and is now making further improvements with his front office. It's, I'm extremely impressed by Derek Jeter and yeah, the whole organization. It says organization. it's the, first,
0: in the hi- first time in the history of men's North American professional sports, a woman was hired to become a team's general manager at the top flight.
1: That's, uh, that's incredibly impressive. So,
0: I mean, that's huge. Big shout out to the Miami Marlins. Uh, there you go. Uh, on management, on all levels, mm-hmm. getting it done. And then we see oh, our boy, Tim Tebow, says he's still chasing his MLB dream. Last year was actually a, or I think it was two years ago now, I guess would be a double-A all-star. Got promoted up to triple-A and just hit a barrier. Really, his, his numbers all plummeted. And, you know, I think he was hoping to maybe get back on the horse and, and conquer triple-A this year. But with the cancellation of all those games and the minor league, the whole minor league baseball system being just totally up in the air right now. It's not a good year at age 33 for Timmy to be missing a year of coaching and development when he's already been behind the eight ball in this baseball dream of his since the start. So, hope hope our buddy Tim can stay in the headlines there. It's always (laughs) fun to see him popping around on Sports Center, but I don't know. Uh, That window seems to be closing for this baseball career of his.
1: Well, we know what Tim would say.
0: Well, first of all, through God, all things are possible, so jot that down. Oh, yeah? Yeah? We're going for that one twice today.
1: Oh, yeah. Why not? It's on the board. We can use it.
0: Why don't we shift things over to the NFL? Really, was the apple of our eye this past weekend, considering the lack of domestic soccer leagues... We had a crazy week of NFL football this week. That was a wild one. Yeah. Our hearts were broken on Sunday at 1 o'clock when the Eagles just, Eagles defense especially, just decided to never even show up for the game.
1: They got absolutely pummeled. I got so excited because on that first play, they just immediately get to Daniel Jones. And it's like. Yes, this bye week has paid off. We look rested. We look ready to go. And then immediately afterwards, it all just completely falls apart.
0: Yeah, I mean, we never looked in control in that game. The defense never looked like they had their feet under them.
1: It was ugly
0: from start to finish. Another thing that just seemed kind of ugly this whole weekend was special teams play. We saw a number of games, and I didn't get to watch every game this weekend. We were red-zoning it for a bit, but Mm -hmm. where special teams had a major, major, major impact. Some of them it was because of weather. But in general, I mean, in the Titans versus Colts game on Thursday night it was a really close game. The Titans were arguably the better team until special teams came into it. A 12-yard shank punt, a block punt return for a touchdown, and the Colts end up with a scoreline that looks like they dominated. Mm -hmm. In the Seahawks-Rams game, 61-yard field goal Mm -hmm. going into the half, those kinds of plays totally shift the momentum. I mean, Seahawks came out guns blazing following that field goal. I mean...
1: They fell short eventually. I know they fell
0: short, but still. And then... In the Saints-Niners game, a game that, again, really got blown out of proportion because of special teams. Two muff punts by the Niners took what were major stops by that Niners defense and gave the Saints the ball back deep in Niners territory, what led to scoring drives. Mm -hmm. We saw the weather be a big impact with, with... Special teams. I mean, in the New England versus Baltimore game, and in the Browns versus the Texans game, it was almost impossible to kick a field goal.
1: Yeah, uh, the, uh, the crazy wind, crazy rain, hail, hail. I mean,
0: watching the end of that New England Baltimore game. It you could like... barely see the players on the field. Yeah, it looked with,
1: like you were watching in, like, low definition. With super
0: HD cameras, with state-of-the-art 2020 crystal clear 4K, you name it, you could barely see the players on the field. Yeah. And how you expect players to complete passes or kickers to kick field goals is beyond me in those conditions. I, I understand in football you you play pretty much in all conditions, but Wow. It really re- reared its head this weekend and it had a significant impact on a number of games.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we saw the Browns Texans game end, what was it, 10 7? 10 7.
0: And yet there were all sorts of missed field goals. I mean, it was insane. It was absolutely insane to watch that one. Another insane game to watch was that. Buffalo Bills versus Arizona Cardinals game.
1: Unbelievable. I
0: know we picked differently on this one. I don't think any one of us could either even open our mouths about this game because, really, both teams deserved wins. If you could give both teams a win, I would. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the game was defined by really just one spectacular play.
1: Kyler Murray dodges, gets out of trouble and launches it down 49 yards into the end zone to DeAndre Hopkins, guarded by three defensive backs of the Buffalo Bills, pulls it down, scores a touchdown, and ends the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just went up and got it. It was a men-amongst-boys type play. I haven't seen a receiver go up and make a jump ball catch like that really since Calvin Johnson.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's another example of it. Yeah, Calvin Johnson I've seen make those
0: three on one contested catches over defenders. He did it against the Bengals, I think,
1: to win a game.
0: Yeah, and and I mean he was he was a freak of nature. In my opinion, the most talented player to ever play the receiver position, but that's a that's a conversation.
1: Definitely um, the best athlete to ever play the wide receiver position.
0: What an amazing game. I feel like Houston has to be kicking themselves right now for having given up DeAndre Hopkins and for so little. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, and it was an unbelievable game to watch. Another exciting game that we enjoyed was the Battle of the Rookies. It ended up being a little bit more of a blowout, though, and your boy Tua continues
1: to shine. Tua's 3-0, baby. Bringing this Dolphins team to 6-3. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the season this is how was happening. I was going to say you're way too optimistic. It's going to take time. It's going to be a, you know, it's going to take time to adapt to the NFL game. He looks like he's having no issues adapting. He looks like he's ready to just jump right into it and take this league by storm. I'm extremely impressed. But Justin Herbert's no slouch either.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is really, I think, a glimpse of what as what i imagine to be two quarterbacks that we're going to be doing this for a little while Mm -hmm. Tua, i maybe have a little bit more reservations on not because of his talent
1: but because he plays for miami
0: no uh i was going to say because of the major injury that we've already seen him suffer and the fact that even his words himself are he's never going to play the same and those kinds of things. That kind of damaged goods mentality, I think, is really toxic for a player to be kind of thinking of themselves as dented, so to speak. And also, when it is your hip and your lower body and his style of play, you know, like or, uh, after his first season, RG3 was looking I was thinking RG three was going to be a league MVP and revolutionize the quarterback position, and he ended up fizzling out. And again, for health reasons. So barring a health concern, I think two was around for a long time. But because of the history already at such a young age, I do think that it, I I'm just voicing that as my only back of my head lingering concern for him.
1: Your reservation against and it's totally reasonable.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, but he's so far shown me all of the right things with regards to if I think he's going to be a successful
1: NFL quarterback. Especially considering he's dealing with the weapons that Miami has. Yeah. Which, going into the season, you, did which you other know than, who? Yeah,
0: other than Devontae Parker, that's it.
1: Yeah. The, yeah.
0: Other than Jordan Howard, who I thought was going to be a big addition and was going to maybe start to try and get his career back on track after really having been... One of the most reliable running backs in the league for the first half decade of his career in Chicago. He just got waived by Miami after being a healthy start, healthy scratch, rather, this past week. He's back on the open market. It'll be interesting to see if he gets picked up by anywhere or if he just becomes another of the long line of running backs who goes from productive to out of work in a 24 to 36 month span. Mm hmm. Elsewhere in the AFC, the Steelers remained perfect with a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Other than acknowledging that the Steelers are still undefeated, which at this late in the season for the first time in their history, and 9-0 and teams tend to have, I mean, we could pull up the numbers, we didn't, but, you know, a lot of playoff success usually and make it to AFC you know, title games or, or I guess, conference title games or Super Bowls uh, more often than they don't or, you know, more often than most other teams would. So that's just something worth keeping an eye on. But I don't think many people thought that – I don't think many people circled this game against the Cincinnati Bengals as their likely first loss after the form that the Steelers have been in.
1: No. No. I mean it was possible cuz they're starting to show a little bit of cracks in the armor especially against like Cowboys and
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean they're not looking like I mean I don't even think they I don't think they're the best team in their conference. Hell, I don't even know if they're the best team in their division. But I don't think anybody anticipated a loss to the Bengals and the Steelers. Part of being a team that goes either all the way undefeated or even, you know, is is 9-0 at this point, is winning the games you should win. Yes. And they did that this
1: week. And and Chase Claypool puts up another two touchdowns, another good performance from the rookie wide receiver. Out of Notre Dame. Absolutely.
0: In the NFC, we had a couple of interesting storylines coming out. Most notably, NFL future Hall of Famer and... Playoff-bound quarterback Drew Brees took a really hefty hit against San Francisco the other night and ended up with a couple of broken ribs and a punctured lung. We ended up seeing ex-Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston coming in in relief. Uh, It was actually a weird mix. It was like a combo mix-and-match Jameis Winston-Tayson Hill combo at who was actually relieving them for quarterback but the offense continued to chug along I think that's a testament to Sean Payton and the weapons like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas that they have there but big question marks for Drew Brees a guy whose career has a little bit of a hourglass coming to an end looking like and uh We'll see. I mean, a guy who's pondered retirement the last few years, it doesn't look like it's going to be season-ending. It might be three, four weeks. Again, broken ribs and punctured lung, it's going to take him a little bit to get healthy. I do think when he is healthy, this is his team. He gets the job back. But, you know, breaking your ribs, puncturing a lung, going into the playoffs, and then possibly having another heartbreaking playoff loss because i think the saints will make the playoffs and they're not my pick to go to the super bowl no right now i think that could spell the end of him calling it a career but you never know you never know but these are the type of hits i imagine when drew Brees pulls himself out of the game those are the type of hits that question if you want to keep on playing football, I feel like.
1: True, but he pulled himself out of the game because he also had broken ribs and a punctured lung.
0: No, I understand that. I'm just saying those are the types of hits that make you question if you want to keep doing it. Oh, definitely. And so at 43 years old, having almost every record, or 42 or whatever he is, I, you know, him and Brady, I mix up their ages, but having almost every record there is in the book, I, I get it. Uh, you know, and it would be a shame, though, to see that kind of be this be one of the big steps leading toward the end. But we'll see. It's something worth keeping an eye on. Elsewhere in the NFC South, coming out of Tampa Bay Buccaneers camp, newly signed and recently off of suspension, Antonio Brown, former All Pro, All Star, wide receiver just came out that apparently he destroyed a surveillance camera and yelled at a security guard and, yes. like...
1: Hold on. He destroyed a security camera by throwing a bicycle at it. Yes. In the report.
0: And then verbally assaulted or, or like, berated a security officer. And there are no police charges. No. The but, uh, the
1: Homeowners Association, for whom the guard is employed and for whom the security camera is for, d- declined to press charges. It's looking to move on from the incident.
0: But this is another incident in the long pattern now of behavior that is kind of what was a rapid fall from grace for Antonio Brown. So it'll be interesting to see if he is able to keep this comeback alive and well, considering his behavior is what derailed his career before. So I'm not saying this is it for him i mean i doesn't i can't imagine this would be, this is the least of his worries considering some of the other legal issues that still haven't been resolved but the buccaneers brought him back with the mindset that he is a you know rehabilitated creature and yet this is a very quick sign that that may not be the
1: case yeah and you know it makes you wonder like what uh? What's going on in his head? Gave me eighty-eight concussions. Oh, yeah. He might have some brain damage. Maybe a little bit of CT going on there, scrambling his eggs. Though, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what his deal is. I don't know why he can't just keep together and be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But
0: yeah, it's a shame to see a guy with that amount of talent, with that pedigree, who's more likely than not a Hall of Fame player.
1: Caliber, definitely.
0: And seeing him in what could still be the... I mean, you see guys like Larry Fitz at his age are still productive and still putting in the numbers and putting in the time and providing veteran leadership and providing stability for locker rooms, etc. And we're seeing him do the total opposite. So, we hope he can get back on track, but this is just a this is just a sign that things may not be going as well as Bruce Arians and Tommy Boy Brady want you to believe.
1: Yeah. Also, things not going well. Seahawks dropped the third straight against this Rams team. This is the fourth straight week of a pretty rough performance coming out of the Seahawks team. Uh, Five weeks ago, it looked like, you know, Russell Wilson was running away with the MVP conversation a bit, or at least starting to, starting to put his name in the forefront. I should yeah, say. And,
0: and it was his to lose at that
1: point. And, and it looks like he's lost it.
0: Yeah, and now it's open season. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of these players, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course. Kyler Obviously, Murray. Ben Roethlisberger's got to be in the conversation, the way that that Pittsburgh offense has been chugging along. It's going to be interesting to see as the season winds on, but we still have a v- lot of football to play yet, so a lot could happen. I mean, remember, Carson Wentz didn't win that award because he missed the last four games of the season. So the MVP trophy is something that really is reflective upon all 16 games or at least a large majority of them. So we're going we're to have a lot more football that goes into that decision.
1: Definitely, for sure.
0: Lastly, ex-Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker had his charges dropped, and the attorney that was leading the case against him is actually being charged with extortion.
1: Yeah. So We reported on the story, oh, one of our first episodes, yeah. uh, charged with an armed robbery and extortion himself. And now it comes out that the attorney who brought the case against him, William Dean, is being charged with extortion.
0: Yeah, this is just something, I mean, it's pretty crazy. You wonder if... DeAndre Baker might end up finding his way back onto an NFL roster given the charges have been dropped. And you might actually see he might have been the victim of some, you know, criminal behavior. So it's interesting. This is a story worth keeping an eye on. This is a young player who really didn't even, if I'm not mistaken, he was a rookie, right? I mean, he's a...
1: He, uh, he's definitely young. I don't remember he So
0: it, it's something worth keeping an eye on. But pretty crazy, pretty big turn of the tables oh, there. Yeah goes from the one being charged with extortion to having being the victim of extortion, and hopefully he's able to take this turning point and turn it into the start of a career comeback
1: for his sake. Yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully it's just an interesting story. Makes a 30 for 30 right. later on.
0: Well, guys, that's all we got for you this week. Thank you for stopping by and listening to us. You can check out our social medias at at BOTT Podcast on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Yep, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Anchor.fm. And we still have stickers available, Two and a half inch die-cut stickers. Just hit us up on on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, they're
0: they're good indoor, they're good outdoor, they've survived pretty good condensation or or weather so far. Pretty high-quality stickers there. Also, drop us a message. Shoot us a line or a comment on on any of our socials or one of our private accounts. We'd love to have you call into the show Mm -hmm. as we are finally operational. Yes, we finally have the phone
1: line going. With our phone
0: line being open and up and running, we will even happily schedule calls that we can record and then pipe into the podcast at a later time so you don't even need to necessarily... Arrange your call with our general podcast schedule. We would be happy to accommodate you. So we'd love to have some conversation, some input, and hear what you guys have to say. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. And we'll be back with you guys this Thursday for another week of NFL picks, predictions, and analysis.
1: Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks.